Hey team, super excited about today's episode. We speak to one of the greatest digital marketers in the world, Neil Patel. We divide this conversation into a whole bunch of different things, starting with how does he generate so much traffic to all of the websites that he owns? And then we go right through to once you've got the traffic and you're generating the traffic, how do you convert that traffic into leads and sales? Whether you're a traditional offline business or whether you're an online business, we take the conversation in two different ways. We also talk a lot about Neil's personal and life principles for staying humble and learning from the best, and more importantly, not learning from those that don't have your best interests at heart. Enjoy the episode. As entrepreneurs, we see the world differently. In a world that not only tolerates but promotes mediocrity, we unreasonably demand more. Giving you access to the world's most successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders, this podcast uncovers the untold truths of what it really takes to build a multi-million dollar business while optimizing your personal performance in every area of your life. I'm Jack DeLosa. Let's get to work. Hi team, welcome back to another episode of the Jack DeLosa podcast, the place you go to master your business and elevate your life. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest from all the way from California, Mr. Neil Patel, Neil, it is an absolute honor to finally have you on, brother. Uh, thanks for having me. Now, for those um, who are after a bit of background regarding Neil's uh, career to date, he's one of the world's leading digital marketing experts. He's the co-founder of Crazy Egg, Hello Bar, and Kissmetrics. He helps companies like Amazon, NBC, GM, HP, and Viacom grow their revenues, and he does so incredibly well. The Wall Street Journal calls him a top influencer on the web and Forbes says he's one of the top 10 online marketers. Entrepreneur Magazine says he created one of the 100 most brilliant companies in the world. That is super cool. In 2017, he co-founded his own digital marketing agency, Neil Patel Digital, and they've grown to a team of 46, have six offices and amass an incredible 1 million blog readers per month. Um, so this man has shaped a lot of the digital marketing strategies that are used around the globe. So we're super pumped to have him on. Neil, you must see so many different um, businesses and how they're deploying strategies against digital marketing. Let's start at the top. What are the top three key mistakes you see businesses and entrepreneurs making when it comes to how to grow their business online? The biggest mistake that I see, and I'll go down three, but I'll start with the top. The first biggest mistake is people not understanding their audience. You know, let's say you're selling something, you're an e-commerce site, you're selling dog food, like Chewy.com in the States, they had a good exit and they did well. But let's say you're another business and you're competing. If you don't truly understand the pain points of your audience, your potential customers, how you can help them out, how you can make things more convenient, you won't do well. So with marketing, if you don't have a good understanding of your potential customer and what they're looking for, you're starting off all wrong because if you're leveraging channels and you're creating marketing messages that don't really appeal to them, they appeal to what you think they want versus what they really want, you're not going to do well. So the first thing is you need to understand your customers, not from an aspect of just talking to a few of them. I'm talking about surveys, interviewing them in person, getting to know them and doing this with dozens and dozens and dozens of potential customers. And not just hearing what they have to say, but truly understanding their problem. Because just because they tell you they want something doesn't mean they're going to pay for it. Even if they tell you they'll pay for it, doesn't mean they'll actually pay for it. So truly understanding their problem 
and figuring out the best way to solve that problem. Ideally, your solution should be easy and affordable. You do those two things, you're off to a good start. The second thing is when people go into marketing, they look at channels like Google AdWords, Facebook ads, and they're like, it's expensive. I don't want to end up doing it. Well, you don't have to spend 100, 200 grand a month on ads. You can start off with 500 bucks, $1,000. Start off small. Make the numbers work out. Once they're profitable, why wouldn't you scale them up? Everyone believes that paid advertising in the long run, Google just gets more expensive. Facebook gets more expensive. It won't work. That's not the case. They've been around for such a long time. People still make it work because companies adapt. They learn that you optimize conversions, you upsell, you downsell. So really try to figure out the paid advertising nut. And the reason being is once you solve it, you'll be able to scale much quicker. The second thing is focus on long-term organic growth. So that's things like SEO, content marketing, social media marketing. Most people think that, hey, if I have 100 visitors and I'm doing paid advertising, so out of 100 paid visitors, one or two end up converting into a customer, they think when they do SEO, you get extra 100 visitors, one or two are going to convert as well. It's not the case. They don't convert anywhere nearly as same because the landing page people are going to from SEO or social isn't going to be optimized for conversions. Google doesn't want to rank a landing page that's really aggressive. Facebook doesn't, people don't want to share on Facebook pages that are just like sign up for my auto insurance or buy my products. You have to end up focusing on building that brand thinking long run. Yes, you can get a lot of visitors over time. They'll grow. The conversion rates won't be as good, but the ROI is really high as long as you do it for a year and a half, two years. So if we sort of look at taking this conversation down two roads, I suppose we can sort of look at two parts of the equation. The first is getting traffic to your website. And the second is once that traffic is there, how do we best convert it? Um, your website gets a million visitors per month. It may even be more by now. For people who are struggling to get eyeballs on their site, where should they start? And, and how, how do they best decide where to invest their marketing efforts? Yeah, if you're struggling, if I was starting off again, I would start off with paid advertising because you can pick what you want to show people when you can pick what keywords, what audiences, you can test a lot. And then once you figure out what's working, then you can scale into organic and inbound marketing, like the social media marketing, content marketing, SEO. But you should start off with paid advertising because it'll allow you to define what audiences work well and allow you to define what keywords convert the best. So then when you do the organic strategy, you're not at least spinning your wheels and going after stuff that's not going to generate any revenue. And Neil, how involved do you encourage the business owner entrepreneur to get specifically, you know, because if we go back sort of five or six years ago, um, you know, you could almost have one or two people and they could be looking after your Facebook, your Instagram, your YouTube, your Google AdWords. And, you know, they, they could be 24 years of age and, you know, most likely rock and roll, right? Whereas the, the, the platforms have become substantially more complex, substantially more involved where, you know, it seems today like good setups, you know, they've almost got a person dedicated to each of these platforms. Um, how involved do you encourage the business owner or entrepreneur to get uh, given just the, the scope and the depth of technical expertise required to be effective on each platform? Yeah, uh, the, the way I look at it as... 
as a business owner, if you're small, you got to figure it out yourself and you're not going to even have a chance to hire because you don't have the cash. And you're going to have to learn and test and figure it out and focus on one or two channels because it's impossible for you to do everything, especially when you have a business to run. If you're already up and running and making a lot of money or millions of dollars, you don't need to be that involved. Instead, you need to focus on hiring the right person. If you don't hire someone who knows how to do it better than you, has more experience, has done it before in your exact industry, then you're wasting dollars on the wrong hire. But that's the way I would go about it as an entrepreneur. Either you do it yourself if you're really small, focus on one channel, get it right. Once the business grows enough, expand by hiring that one person who's going to be in charge. They've done it in your space before and you know they're going to lead the effort and continually test and tweak. 100%. And so if we just sort of follow the conversation we started before in terms of the traffic generating, what are, you know, you mentioned paid advertising. Can you give us your top three less known traffic generating tips? I mean, I've, I've watched, um, it was either a presentation or an interview with you a little while ago and you were, you were talking about you actually will often acquire businesses in order to acquire traffic. So that may or may not be one of your top three, but um, you know, for, for those watching it or listening at home, what are the top three less known traffic generating tips? Sure, the strategy of buying businesses is my favorite. And that strategy is I go look for other people in my space who already have the traffic, aren't making much money, and you can buy them for pennies on the dollar. A lot of entrepreneurs tell me, oh, I can't afford it, I don't have cash. Well, you can do a payment plan with them. You're already going to end up spending that money on ads like Google ads. Why not just do a payment plan with someone who already has a traffic and give it to them over two, three, four years. The second strategy that I love doing that not enough people do, but it's been around for a long time is I take all the people who go to my checkout page, whether it's a SaaS company or e-commerce, it doesn't matter. You all have checkout pages, lead pages with form fields. And I take all the people who did not hit the thank you page, but went to that checkout page and I remarket them. And I don't just do banner ads. I'll do a video of what it's like to be a customer, what it's like to buy a product. And I'll remarket them with videos on Facebook and YouTube. And that works very well because someone got that far down the funnel. They're just good to go when it comes to buying. You have to just push them over the edge because if your site messaging talks about if you're doing emotional selling on how it can change your life, your product or service, they didn't buy, you probably want to take an opposite approach and do a logical sale. Do the opposite and see if that can push them over. The third one that I love doing is account-based marketing. And very few people do this. So for example, if you're targeting just doctors, why do you have to advertise to the whole world? Go take that email list of the doctors you're targeting, upload them into Facebook and Google AdWords and just target those people. It'll look like you're everywhere. It'll look like you're big without you spending a ton of money. Only they will see your ads and no one else. Yeah, that is amazing. If we go back to the acquisition strategy, how do you go about looking for suitable acquisition targets? I just Google and search for websites in my space. Right. And right. I just try to find a ton of them and I hit up every single one, find out their traffic, their revenue number. And I look for the ones that have the biggest traffic, the right keywords that they're ranking for and the least amount of revenue. And I kid you not, there's a ton of them. And I'll plug those URLs into tools like BuzzSumo and Ahrefs to see what keywords they're ranking for and what posts have done well. And companies like Ahrefs will even tell you the value of that traffic per URL and per page. So you'd be like, okay, if I had to advertise on this site and run all this pay-per-click, it would cost me 500 grand a month. I can probably buy the site for 70 grand. 
And I know I'm not going to make over 500 grand a month from uh, if, if I monetize that traffic because it's going to blog posts and things like that. But you know what? That's a good deal. And then you go figure out how you can monetize. And when you reach out to 50 or 100 players in the space, you'll find others that have less traffic and way more money. And you learn what they do. And then you can take those strategies and implement it on the one that you had a lot more traffic but less revenue and you're buying them out. I absolutely love that. What kind of valuation methodology are you uh, happy to pay, or, or do you just do the lowest as possible? <laughs> <laughs> That's the scientific methodology, as low as possible. <laughs> really, I just try to get it down as much as possible. Right. I try to right. understand them as individuals. What are their goals? Is it to buy a car? Is it to pay off their home? You got to really understand their goals as an individual because then you can appeal to them. Then you're not talking about money. They're like, hey, I know you wanted that car. You know, this is a lot for me, but what if I just gave you as the money so you can buy that car and you give me the website? You get what I mean? There's really creative, interesting ways you can spin it. What's the most creative uh, way that you've um, spun a valuation in order to acquire a business? The most, I don't know if this is creative. I look for companies who have had funding rounds and then I go look at their most recent funding rounds and if they're down rounds is in they raise less money and you can see that on Crunchbase and I know they haven't raised in a year or two, that means they're probably not doing well. So I'll try to go to them and figure out if I can buy some of their assets because yeah. then they're more desperate. They're not going to get money. They're more flexible to sell. <laughs> they won't extend their runway. That's cool. And so um, before we kind of look at the other end of the, uh, the spectrum in terms of conversions, do you have like a, 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 a model or a mental model in mind in terms of how you view funnels, like in terms of audience build and then conversions and tripwires or like no, is there a particular? I, I think with funnels, it changes over time and what works for most people will work in the short run, but it won't work forever because people get used to it. But a typical funnel is you get a drive traffic send them to a squeeze page or a home page or a webinar. Then you pitch them product services, and then you have upsells and downsells. The big thing to take away with what I just said, if you want to do well, no matter how your funnel looks, make sure you have upsells and downsells. doesn't matter how you yeah. structure the funnel. It just helps you squeeze more dollar out of every single customer. Talk to us about up, up, upsells and downsells and, and, and just let's go a bit deeper on that. Why is that important and why is it so effective at maximizing revenue and profitability? Upsells and downsells are very important. And the reason being is when you add them in, you're going to end up squeezing more revenue out of each customer. You're, one of your biggest expenses running an online marketing company, this is why people raise money so much of it, isn't technology anymore. It's marketing. Mm. So marketing mm. dollars keep going up. By adding in upsells and downsells, it helps you generate more profit from every single dollar you spend. If you don't add the upsells and downsells, it's going to be harder for you to compete with all the venture-funded companies who are willing to lose money. 100%. So to your, to your point earlier around there's no sort of uh, one-size-fits-all approach, if we use take like a service-based business, for example, and talk conversions, um, you know, for instance, in our audience, we have a lot of um, gyms, consultancy agencies, creative agencies. Um, so let's say you're a gym owner and you want to increase the amount of leads you're, you're generating, you know, in the short term. 
What, what digital marketing or conversion strategies would you suggest those styles of businesses be employing? Wait, can you repeat again? So you're yeah, a gym. Sure. So, so I just think of taking this into two scenarios. So one would be like a, a more traditional business like a gym or a consulting agency or a design agency. And then in, in a moment, I'll go through to like a, an e-commerce type store. So if we go with a more traditional business like a gym, um, what are the, I suppose, low-hanging fruit conversion strategies that you would recommend a gym owner take in order to generate more leads for their gym? The easiest one is an exit pop-up and collect leads from it. Most people don't want to do it because they're like, oh, no, I don't want to exit pop-up. It looks ugly. I hate it. doesn't matter. People use them because it converts better. So add that. That's the easiest thing you can do as a traditional business, a gym, a design company, just collecting leads. Even if you're selling physical products online, you can do that. It's the easiest way to just squeeze more revenue out of your traffic, typically around 10%. Right, right. Any other strategies as well? That's a great one. Uh, and to clarify, that one's 10% more than whatever you're making. The second yeah. one, if I, I was a, you know, one of those businesses, you collect emails. A lot of businesses collect emails. And they say the money's in the list. Like if you look at a lot of companies like the Overstocks of the world or even HubSpot pitches this, a lot of people make a ton of cash off of email marketing. What they find, a lot of most people use MailChimp. Even in Australia, I'm guessing a lot of you guys use MailChimp, right? Yeah. What they find is as your email list grows, your open rates tank and your numbers aren't as great. If you keep emailing people who aren't emailing or opening your emails, your deliverability for everyone starts tanking. So start deleting the people who aren't engaging. It'll ensure that the rest of the people who want to see your emails, it goes into their inbox and they open it, which really improves your numbers. So in other words, you're only sending emails to people who really want them, and you'll notice that your email revenue will go up. If you just keep growing your list and you keep sending emails to everyone, even if they don't unsubscribe, you'll notice that you'll get less traffic, less sales from that same email list versus if it was smaller. Wow. That's super counterintuitive, right? Because people go to the nth degree to collect an email address. So you're saying if they're not opening the emails and actually delete that person from your list. Correct. What would you say to a business owner who said, you know, I've just invested a lot of money and time in building that and, you know, they might come back and I might be able to nurture them or reactivate them? Put them in a different list and you can try emailing them once every two months. Perfect. Main list, shoot off emails, regular basis, once a week to only people who want to see them and open them. I really, really like that. Let's go to an e-commerce based business. So um, obviously a different Ball game, relatively speaking, from, from a gym or a consulting agency. Um, what are your top tips there for increasing sales in an online store? Sure. Have you ever seen those spin the wheel offers on e-commerce? Yeah. Those work yeah. really well. Spin the wheel for like a 10% off coupon, free shipping, whatever. Maybe. They work extremely well. Almost every e-commerce site should test them out. And the reason I say almost every is if you're like a big brand like Amazon, you don't need it. But almost every other e-commerce site should test it out because we're all not Amazons. The next thing I would do as e-commerce is everyone's focusing on traffic and we've done a lot of tests and we found little things like taking amazing pictures of each product or service, doing video or 360 degree views, having proper reviews. So not focusing on traffic, but more so the experience will generate you much more sales. Uh, also for the highest boost in conversion, 
Her e-commerce is free shipping from everything we've tested. So make sure you offer free shipping. And as a small business, you could be like, oh no, I can't afford free shipping. It's too expensive. It's going to you know, screw up my business. Increase your prices. Make the shipping for free. By increasing your prices, you're then covering the shipping costs. You'll find that you, in, in essence, have increased your conversions because your shipping's free, even though your prices increase. So it's pretty much the same on your end. But the messaging came across as free shipping. That works really well, too. Right. I love it how simple and practical your tips are. It's like, do this. <laughs> I try. I've done done all this stuff so many times. I'm like, instead of rambling on about theories, I'd rather just give stuff that helps some people go and save money. 100%. How long have you been doing this? Too long. I don't, can't even count anymore. <laughs> 16, 17 years. Wow. Wow. Now, mate, you're, you're, you are really well-known and respected around the world. Let's talk personal brand. I suppose, what, what's your advice for business owners? Where, where does building a personal brand help? Where does it hinder? Who should do it? Who shouldn't do it? What are some of the pros and cons? Most people should do it. There's good money to be made. Um, I, I will tell you this. If I had to do it over again, I wouldn't build a personal brand because corporate wow. brands are worth more. Coca-Cola will always be worth more than a Tony Robbins or LeBron James or Ronaldo or Messi or whoever you want to end up picking. You're in Australia, so pick the most popular rugby player or celebrity. You know, uh, Nicole Kidman, I don't know who's famous, yeah. or Hugh Jackman. Uh, yeah. A corporate brand's always worth more. So it, I built a personal brand because it happened organically. I wasn't trying to. It just happened. And the next tip I have for you is it's your next tidbit of advice I have for you is it's easier to build a personal brand than it is to build a corporate brand. You as an individual relate more with people than you will to relating to Nike or Coca-Cola. It's just how it is. If you want to grow faster, make money, and you're not worried about the exit, build a personal brand. If you want to create a big business, sell it one day, focus on the corporate brand. Yeah. Again, that's, that's, uh, that is absolutely spot on in my view and uh, very, very simply put. Um, so you say you would have spent more energy perhaps on building a corporate brand. What would that have looked like? Do you have a view of that in hindsight? Yeah, you, you would still do the same stuff, but it wouldn't be a turn to one, one person. So it's harder to relate to the community. You would still do more things like advertising, conferences, all the good old same stuff, but at the end of the day, it just takes more time when you're doing the same tactics to build a corporate brand because people don't relate as well. Yeah, yeah. And Neil, one of the things that's really helped establish your personal brand is the level of great content that you develop and distribute and just how diverse that often is for content creators and thought leaders who are you know building a brand be it personal or or, or commercial um you know do you have a specific framework you use to help ensure that you're creating content that engages your audience how do you develop the ideas how do you make sure it's hitting yeah i i when it comes to ideas you look at tools like buzzsumo putting keywords in your space and you'll see what people relate to and that are doing really well the ones that are getting the most social shares in the last six months typically are the ones that people want to relate that relate to they love. So go and figure out how to create similar content, not the same content, similar in which you're covering similar topics. You're making your content better, more detailed, but you know, and also using Buzzsumo, you also see all the stuff that didn't do well. 
look at it. Mm-hmm. It'll tell you what to avoid when you're creating all that content. Mm-hmm. And so if that's where you find the keywords and, and what's getting traction, it, it, once you've then got the topic, how do you ensure you build it out and 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 not even deliver? I suppose you just build it out. Yeah, yeah. How do you write it and then how do you promote it? So the writing part, I'll give you a few things that I always use. Use the words you and I within your text. Uh, it creates more of a conversation. Start off with the introduction, then body. Body should have subheadings, then a conclusion. This makes your content easier to skim. Keep your paragraphs around five or six lines. It makes it, again, easier to skim. The you and I, as I mentioned, try to use images or videos to convey your message whenever you can. Link out to other sites to back up your stats, your data, your claims. This helps make you seem as an expert. Uh, Also, focus on your headlines. Eight out of 10 people will read your headlines. Only two out of 10 will click and read the rest. So no matter how good your content is, if your headline sucks, no one's going to read it. So with headlines, try to keep them around six, seven words. Use verbs, action words within the headlines, a how-to list post. They tend to do really well. If you're starting to create really good headlines, check out any magazine at the grocery store. You'll see a ton of headlines when you're going through the aisle, and it'll give you some ideas and inspirations. Now, when it comes to promoting the content, you've probably linked out to some sites because I told you to back up your claims and your sources. When you link out to some sites, email those people, ask them to share your content. Uh, You can also use tools like BuzzSumo, see all the other similar content out there, put in those URLs into Twitter, see who already tweeted them out, and you just email them. Hey, Jack, I noticed you tweeted out this article by X, Y, and Z author. I have a similar post that just came out. Would love to share with you. Let me know what you think. You'll typically respond back with, yeah, I would love to see it. Here you go. Feel free to share it if you love it. Cheers, Neil. That's it. Do those two tactics. Your content will get more traction as well. I absolutely love it. That is good. That is good. Uh, mate, I'd love to finish with uh, four or five rapid fire questions. What's a powerful piece of uh, business or marketing advice that you strongly disagree with and why? Ooh, uh, I don't know where to start on that one. Uh, <laughs> is that because there's too much of it? <laughs> there, there's a lot of, I would say in marketing, yeah, there's a lot of it. Because times yeah. change, and as times change, so do the tactics and advice. And people will be like, oh, no, you, you told us this a year ago, two years ago. I'm like, well, market conditions change, so you got to adapt. So one piece of marketing advice I disagree with, everyone tells you to focus. So on marketing, they tell you to focus on one channel. Yeah, if you're starting off and you're by yourself, yes, get one channel going, so then you can hire someone and get more resources to focus on the rest. But marketing's moved to omni-channel approach. Facebook grew by, do you remember those referral systems? They were just tap into your address book and invite all your friends. That's how Facebook grew. Older companies grew just on SEO. A lot of the tactics that help some of these big corporations grow don't work anymore. Good channels get saturated fast. Nowadays, because the market is so saturated, there's so many websites on the internet, all these marketing channels are competitive. You now need to have an omni-channel approach. Just doing SEO or pay-per-click or growth hacking isn't enough. You need to do email marketing, content marketing, social media marketing as well, and all the other channels that you can test out too. That's how competitive it's getting. Tools like Drift and Intercom are doing well, not because they're the coolest features in the world. Intercom is just a fancier version of live chat, which has been out for a long time. The reason these tools are more popular now is because the landscape is so much more competitive. You have to do all these extra things to squeeze those extra dollars out of your traffic because it's costing that much more to acquire these users. For that reason, you need an omni-channel approach. An omni-channel approach 
will help you tap into the rule of seven. Someone sees your messaging, your brand, seven times are much more likely to convert. Because there's so many competitors these days, you got to leverage all the channels. That's the only way to grow. And you need to make sure people see your brand, believe in it, and trust it. So that way they choose you over someone else. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what you build. Someone else can build that same competing product or service. It's just a question of time. What habit have you developed that's had the biggest impact on your life? Everyone makes mistakes. It's okay. The biggest habit that I've made is every time I fail, I write it down. What could I do to avoid making that mistake again? doesn't mean I don't I may avoid making that mistake again. Sometimes I repeat it, sadly, but I try to avoid making that mistake over and over again. And eventually it's led me to figure out what not to do. I'm not that smart. I just have learned over time by making so many mistakes that what I shouldn't be doing. That's awesome. What's a question you wish more people would ask you? I don't know. I get asked pretty much most things. Um, one thing that I would love to get asked is over time, I've been an entrepreneur for 16, 17 years. People always ask like, how are you satisfied? How do you get happy? You know, wh what are you striving for? Like, is it money? Like, what is it? And I strive for contentment. Wow. A lot wow. of people in entrepreneurship or life and business, they start because they want to make more money or get rich. I look at life as being happy, accomplishing those goals. It gives you too many highs and lows. See, when you strive for happiness, happiness isn't a state that lasts forever. It's going to go down as well. I strive to just be content. When things are really good, I realize that, hey, there's so many people out there in the world that have it better than me. And when things get really bad, I realize, hey, there's so many people in the world who have it much worse than me. There's some people who barely have clean water. There's some places in the world people walk seven, eight miles a day just to go get clean water and bring it back to their families. But by realizing those things, it helps keep me grounded. And that has helped me a lot as an entrepreneur because you don't want too many emotions. You want to be a steady rock. Have you found contentment? I have. I, I, I think I'm pretty good overall. I don't really go through crazy emotions of ups and downs. And I'm pretty good. Do you meditate, man? Huh? huh? Do you meditate? I don't meditate. You don't meditate, right. I don't also have big life goals. Like I'm not like, oh, I need to have a really huge, crazy home or fancy cars or any of that. Yeah, I like the idea yeah. of having no bills and not having to worry about life. <laughs> I'm sure that dream sounds incredibly attractive to a lot of entrepreneurs listening right now. Yeah, because like you mentioned, I was on your friend's boat in Australia, right? Yeah. I'm not one who'll ever buy a boat. It's just like, right. if I want to use it, I'll rent it. Yeah. Why own yeah. something that's just going to depreciate? No offense to your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not just rent it and not have to deal with it? It's not like you're going to use it every month or every six months. It's like, I don't right. want extra stuff in my life. Why? This white t-shirt I'm wearing, I have like seven of them and I wear them like every day and I have, you know, yeah, I have a polo and it's the same one and I wear like a white polo and I have seven of them and I'm like, okay, I don't need too many clothes either. My wardrobe is literally 15 of these. There you go. Every so often we replenish them, off we go. It's all over wear. It's awesome. Where does that come from from you? Is that a kind of minimalist thing? Is it about decluttering? Is it about simplifying? No, I've learned it's easier to save money than it is to make it. So save as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, Neil, if we went back to the, the day you started in business, 17 years ago, what's the number one piece of advice you'd give yourself then knowing what you know now? Your job as entrepreneur is just to hire smarter people than you. I learned that way too late. Right. And I was actually going to ask you this before because, you know, you said, you know, you start, start out as an entrepreneur, you know, do the digital marketing yourself. But once you've got the, the revenues and the, and the cash flows, then look to, to bring on people who can do it better than you. Do you do that in the field of digital marketing? Because I would imagine it would be hard to find people who are better at digital marketing than Neil Patel. No, that's actually wrong. There's people better than me. There's someone out there who just does pay-per-click and they're better than me at Google AdWords. There's someone who only does Facebook ads and that's what they've been doing from day one and they're better than me. Like Chris, who works for my ad agency, he came from Facebook. All he knows, like he knows pay-per-click so well. Don't get me wrong, I'm really good at marketing and I've just done it. What makes me good at marketing is I'm super creative. I think outside the box. So when there's constraints, I'm better at growing than... I don't know, 999 out of a thousand other marketers. Um, yeah. But I believe I can always learn from other people. I met up with a magician recently. I met him at a conference. He told me I had all these new SEO hacks. And I was like, cool, let's hear him out. I met up with him, invited him to my house, and we were chilling. His tactics didn't work for me, but I had a fun time. He bent a fork and he made it look like he didn't bend the spoon or fork or whatever the trick's called. And I believe I can learn from everyone. And I think that's what makes me good is because I don't think I'm great. I think I always have more to learn. I think I could always be better. And I don't care if you're rich or poor. If I think I can learn from you, I'm going to go and try and learn from you. It's incredibly powerful. Now, for those of you uh, listening or watching, if you haven't yet, do go to Neil's blog. It is one of the most effective. And as you've seen from today, the the amount of practical, tactical tips that you can go away and implement today in your business and your marketing strategies is just phenomenal. So go to neilpatel.com slash blog, neilpatel, P-A-T-E-L dot com slash blog. Also, do check out Neil's podcast, Marketing School Podcast. Again, uh, it's got to be one of the best uh, podcasts for marketing on the globe. Neil, are there any other places online where you're spending your time you, our listeners might be able to find you? Uh, no, that's mainly it. I, yep. I just, if you're out there and you're trying to learn entrepreneurship and do well, always read and learn from other people's mistakes as well. That's probably one of the last pieces of advice that I want to end off on because I mentioned learn from your mistakes and that's something that really changed my career. But what even helped me change more is always learning from other people and understanding the mistakes they made and learn from them as well. And keep in mind, when you're taking advice as an entrepreneur, there's something called the bozo effect, which is really going to screw you up. And a lot of people think, you know, like you see those fancy ads on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube of those millionaires and their fancy cars and jets. I don't know if you see them in Australia. You see them all over in the States. Yeah. And if I had some, if you had someone was listening here and I told them you're going to end up listening to those people and it's going to crush a lot of your business, most people say, no, nah, I'm not going to listen to them. I don't believe their stuff. I don't buy those products. But you know what? If I asked you, who would you rather take advice from? That kid who does magic tricks, you know, that I met up with or that millionaire that has that fancy car that you meet at a party or something, has a nice home. You're going to pick the kid, the guy who has a fancy car in a home. 
because you're like, oh, he's successful. Just because someone's successful doesn't mean they're going to help you become successful. And just because they're successful doesn't mean they know what's best for you. Mm. If they're rich and they're a dentist, they don't know shit about tech. You want to get dental advice from them? By all means, go and do that. But know your audience and get relevant advice from them. And that's the big mistake that so many new entrepreneurs make is like, learn from not just the person who has money. Yeah, if someone has money, I'm not saying tune them out, but get relevant advice from them and it's up to you if you want to take it or not. But also get advice from that magician because you know what? He may teach you something new as well. And then pick where you want to get advice from and learn from other people's mistakes. And if you do that, at least you'll do well in the long run. Just avoid the bozo mistake of assuming that just because someone's rich and has a fancy car that they know what's best for you because they don't. 100%. 100%. I absolutely love that. That's incredibly profound. Neil Patel, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. I appreciate that discussion. Thank you for bringing so much value uh, to not only myself, but our entire audience. Do let me know next time you're in town. We'll, um, we'll rent a boat. There you go. <laughs> appreciate it, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you. No problem. It was good seeing you. You too, brother. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I'm Jack DeLosa. If you enjoyed listening, make sure you hit subscribe and you'll be the first in line to get every new episode sent directly to your phone. While you're at it, open Instagram and connect with me. My handle is simply at Jack DeLosa, D-E-L-O-S-A. This is where you'll find me every day sharing the secrets of scaling multi-million dollar businesses and giving you a behind the scenes look at what it really takes to build a life that you love. You can also find me on all the usual places, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Just search Jack DeLosa. Thanks again for listening. And as always, dream out loud. That's a wrap. Yeah.